Hello everyone. Uh, well, today we will be closing out the epistle of Galatians, or rather Paul is closing his letter to them, right? I think it's really been a tough letter to write, and so we're going to work through this last session. Here's what Paul says. We're going to begin in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Alright, so uh, I expect Paul is saying, hey look, I know this is a long letter, but it's sincere, it's personal, I did not dictate it to anyone, but wrote it myself. Who else loves you enough to share hard truths with you the way I've been doing in this letter? And I think it is what you might call a painstaking love letter. So let's look at verse 12. Here's what it says. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. So in Paul writing this long letter with gentle spirit and yet with with uh, strong words that cut like a knife, those two things, it is clearly not so that the Galatians will like him. If that were the case, um, he would have been building them up in the flesh and their own sense of self-righteousness, like the ones who were corrupting them were doing. We looked at that earlier. The troublers were wanting the Galatians to glorify them, to brag on them, to lift them up instead of Jesus and the cross. So Paul was writing this genuine love letter about the grace of God to the Galatians who had been led astray and were about to make a wreck of their lives. So Paul is saying it's all about the glory of God, not about your glory, not about my glory, not about the troublers' glory. It's about the glory of God. Have you ever written a letter to someone who's gotten off track? My mother, I think she's 87 or will be this year. She has been a great example to me in this, in writing truth to so many people over the years. She's had a knack for her letters being saturated with great love. And uh, the arthritis in her hand makes it hard for her now. But even uh, a month or so ago, she was writing a difficult love letter to a lady she had ministered to over the last 15 years or so. And we've given the lady rights to church and small group. And even though I believe she has stolen from my mom, my mother still continues to pursue her for Jesus. The lady's been in prison, and now she's tried many times to get help dealing with her alcoholism, but she falls again and again. And uh, mom's also been writing to her son many years. He just, while he was in prison, he just recently got out. But uh, now the lady's moved to California. Mom has written her a hard letter, uh, but nevertheless, a letter of great love that is pointing to Jesus as the greatest treasure that she could ever have. I really love my mom uh, and uh, just to see Christ work in her. 
throughout her whole life. She has an amazing testimony of her salvation as well. But um, so maybe you don't write <laughs> letters like Paul did or my mother, but, but still we need to look out for one another in the faith. Uh, otherwise Satan is just gonna get an advantage and he wants to strap the chains of sin right back on us. And so we wanna look out for one another. And that's what uh, this last chapter in Galatians is, is about. Let's look at verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So yeah, that's what we were talking about, right? Nobody keeps the law, not even these troublers. And they were focusing in on circumcision, but hey, what about the rest of the law, right? The Old Testament law. Nobody keeps the law. That's the point, right? That's the reason for the law in, in one context. So we might know that we need a savior. You may remember our last session about boasting in Christ in a good way from what he has done in our life. In today's text, there is a different kind of boasting that the troublers were doing and they were encouraging the, the Galatians to do. In the next verse, he makes it abundantly clear about the context of this kind of boasting. We looked ahead at this last time. Verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So uh, that's the only reason Paul had to boast. That's the only thing he could boast in in his life. And he says that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Crucifixion was the method in which the worst criminals would die on a cross. Of course, Jesus was crucified in our place. We're the criminals, and he became sin for us who knew no sin, so we might receive his righteousness. But in this verse, Paul uses a play on words, saying the world's been crucified to him, and he to the world. Are these two things the same or different? I think they're different, um, and I believe their differences clarify Paul's relationship toward the world, and now the world's ties and attitude and relationship toward Paul. So Paul says, the world has been crucified to me. What is Paul saying about the world? This world is no longer his home, right? He no longer has the same kind of fellowship he once had with worldly people. They're not his, his family any longer. Um, and the things of the world, are not what he seeks after for satisfaction anymore. This world is dead to him. And uh, Paul says that uh, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what does the world think of Paul? It's like they're saying, hey Paul, you were one of us, but you abandoned us, you rejected us. Now we reject you. Who are you? We don't know you anymore. We've got nothing for you. We put a mark on you and you are now a dead man to us. You've been cut out of your worldly inheritance. 
Maybe you've heard something like this in a movie where a father says to his rebellious son, get out, you're dead to me, and you will receive no inheritance. Of course, the world makes promises, right, of great things, but the only real inheritance that comes is death and corruption and hell, right? And Paul did rebel against the worldly things. Uh, that's called repentance or a turning away from something. And Paul approves of this severing of ties with the world. And as Paul uses the example of each being crucified to the other, I think it reminds us that this severing is all because of the cross where Jesus himself was broken for a broken world. Uh, a broken world full of broken people who need a savior. So Paul continues again reaffirming the insignificance of circumcision, which I think is the focused obsession of these troublers uh, that represented uh, the bigger picture of keeping the law for righteousness. Let's look at verses 15 and 16. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So here we are in the last chapter, right? In the final few verses of this letter where Paul has interwoven an unbreakable cord with many truths to a beautiful tapestry that displays the gospel of the grace of God through faith for the Galatians and for us as well. And once again, here at the end, he shoots this silver bullet of a truth at their flesh <laughs> so they might say the world is dead to them and Christ is alive in them and they are a new creation in Christ that will not see corruption. The flesh will die. We need to be a new creation, a spiritual creation in Christ Jesus in order to survive the death of the flesh and be with Christ forever. So the Galatians have been obsessed with keeping the law or you might say the rules of the law. And Paul says there's a rule for the new creation. And that is not to depend on the law and all those rules for, for a righteousness. It seems like Paul is saying, hey, you want rules? How about just one? Walk as a new creation in Jesus because of the cross. This rule brings peace and mercy on you and all the people of God. Remember earlier, Paul says how he was perplexed or he was baffled at how to get through to the Galatians. And here in the next verse, I think we see how Paul is, he's worn out and he's poured his all into the Galatians and this letter. And he's given it his best shot to get them back on track. And listen to what he says. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. So the troublers of the Galatians, hey, they've apparently troubled Paul as well. I think he's saying that he's made this 
undeniable case for the gospel of grace through faith, not only at the inception of salvation, but also after salvation. And there's nothing more to say. I mean, he's boldly and with clarity explained the beauty of the gospel over and over. And he said what needs to be said in this letter, and it's enough. And no one can say he's guilty of letting the Galatians go off the deep end. I mean, the ball is now fully in their court. I think it's sometimes in our life concerning different truths and areas that we need to grow in, even as believers, that happens to us. I mean, what is needed to be said has been said. We've heard the truth. And the ball is totally in our court. And maybe that's for you even today, as far as coming to Christ and believing and taking his yoke upon you. Maybe that's for you in the case of salvation as well. I mean, maybe you've heard the gospel and the ball is in your court. Jesus is the promised Messiah who lived the perfect life and died the sinner's death and rose from the grave. He did that for you. He took your place, and he wants to give you resurrection power over sin and to be able to love your neighbor as you ought to. So he wants to work in you practically, make you a new creation in Christ Jesus that's going to survive the death of the flesh and be raised incorruptible with him forever. So balls in your court. So finally, in our letter, um, Paul closes with how he has closed many, many of his letters to other churches. And this is particularly telling here, considering the Galatians have come to misunderstand or to stray from grace. And here's what he says, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So Paul wishes for them grace, and that's just what the Galatians need to hear, and that's what he's been telling them, right? And interestingly, his closing line here is similar to the intro of, of this same letter. Galatians 1.3, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And, I mean, truthfully, grace is at the foundation of all of our lives in Christ. It's what we and all the other churches that Paul wrote to needed to walk in. And I think that's what Paul begins and closes so many letters to the churches, wishing them grace. I mean, let's just look at a few and then we'll close. Thessalonians 1.1, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. And then in the last verse in 1 Thessalonians also, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last verse in 2 Thessalonians says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Philemon uh, chapter 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The last verse in Philemon says, the grace of the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit. Last chapter of Romans, chapter 20. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You know, since grace has been misunderstood uh, and it's been misinterpreted uh, by many. And because of that, I think we need to, to ponder and embrace uh, and internalize not only how we were initially saved by grace through faith, uh, not of ourselves, but also God's overwhelming grace through Jesus every second of every day and, and uh, since we've been saved, how it's by grace through faith that we live victorious lives in Christ. Uh, we need to share the truth of God's grace with others like Paul did to the Galatians. And also Paul has demonstrated by example in this letter that grace just cannot be overstated. The grace keeps our heart pumping and it keeps our hands working. It keeps our feet moving. In grace, Jesus holds the fabric of the universe together by the word of his power. And his grace will usher us into eternity with Christ. Father God, you are awesome, Lord. Just uh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for opening our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, Father. Uh, just keep us on track, Father. Help us to keep returning so very quickly to your grace and your mercy every single day, Lord. You want to give us mercy, Father. Jesus gave his very life that we might come to know him by grace through faith. And for the Galatians, as they began to, to uh, walk in self-righteousness, uh, to keep the law for righteousness, uh, and the emphasis was on their self, in doing so, they were disregarding the, the death of Jesus on the cross. Father, help us never to, to do that in our own lives. And if we do, Help us to turn quickly from um, selfishness uh, and self-glory to glorifying God, trusting in your mercy through Jesus for victory on a second-to-second -second basis every day of our life, Father. May we overflow with your love and share the beauty of Jesus with all those around us, Father. We love you so much. Help us walk in your peace your grace. In Jesus' name.